Welcome to another episode of Repeater, a little show about big songs. My name is Evan Barden. Uh, and I'm Pat Cartelli. And we are here today with uh, Brooklyn-based writer, storyteller, and uh, video maker, Brian Berlin. Hey, what's up? Hey, Brian. Hi, Brian. Thanks for coming. Thanks for having me. Yeah. You doing okay? This is my, yeah, good day. I think this is my first ever podcast. Sweet. Real, real big day here. You're in it. You're in it. I'm in it. You're, a, you're a Moth Story Slam winner. You deserve to be on podcast. I'm a Moth Story Slam oh. winner. Yes. That's yeah. a three-time runner-up. <laughs> they don't, they never, they don't let you like get that credit out there. But they don't publicize yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Your podcast material at this point, <laughs> for sure. Um, well, welcome to the show. Uh, we talk to people about songs that mean a lot to them. You're, you're a friend of the show. Friend uh, of the show. So you're familiar with how, how we do. Um, and to get us started, we're going to just uh, talk about something we've been listening to lately, cool. recently. Yeah. Uh, so I'll start. Um, I went and saw Converge and Neurosis play the other night, and my body is still recovering from that. I'm so sore. Uh, several people jumped on me, mm-hmm. and that was an interesting experience. But I was very lucky to see, or I don't know if lucky, I've only seen them play twice, but they played a song called Jane Doe which is off their 2001 album, also called Jane Doe. And that was like a real nice kind of nostalgic thing to get to hear. Uh, and it was a lot of fun. I just really enjoyed that. For anyone who maybe doesn't know, what kind of music are those bands? Uh, so Converge are, I was reading their Wikipedia page before, and it's very amusing because it's listed as like hardcore punk. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's a whole dissertation in there about like subgenres of like math core and like all that additional stuff. And they're just like, no, we're just kind of a metal band and we do our thing. Uh, and then neurosis are well known for being a kind of like ambient metal sludge, like everything, like each album sounds different. Uh, I'm, I'm not as familiar with them. Um, they are definitely one of the loudest bands I've ever heard play. And I was starting to fall asleep (laughs) because as my friend Matt says, they have a lot to say, but they are not succinct. (laughs) So like a seven minute track that has, you know, three very slow chords. But heavy, heavy, (laughs) heavy. Oh yeah. But it wore on me and it was great. I really enjoyed getting to see them play, but I could feel my eyelids drooping. <laughs> yeah. It's w- funny to fall, like want to fall asleep to very loud things. Yeah. It seems counterintuitive, but uh-huh. sometimes they, they like zone you out pretty hard. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just getting beat up too. It's a whole other. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's physically exhausting to go to their shows. Uh, that's cool. Um, uh, two weeks ago, I listened to the entire Michael Jackson solo discography. Uh, so I, li- I would say I've listened to a lot of Michael Jackson recently, <laughs> which was a, is a good experience. A lot of nostalgia as well. A lot of like re- trying to, uh, I guess, walk through life, like to like what, when his songs came out or when I heard them, obviously like his first couple albums I didn't hear until I was like, a, I would probably heard them all at once because yeah. they came out like before I was born. Um, it was pretty rad. And then like his last three albums, which were 2003's Invincible, and then Michael came out right be- right after he died. It was sort of like a play. It was like, you know, a play to make some money after he died. And then Escape was this album that came out two or three years ago. Another sort of like Jackson family uh, 
from the archives from the archives yeah. sort of thing um but the thing that astounds me about those last three albums is that like each one of them has at least one insanely good jam like if not multiple songs that i think are totally good and yeah. viable uh because i think he very he could sound like very of the 80s or of the 90s but he somehow kind of like always figured it out like his last main single had akon on it and it works like, <laughs> yeah, like for the time you know like for the whichever year that came out i think that was the 2009 album but i'm like yeah the like, akon's huge right now and this is great. And on, his, on the single off of Escape had like Justin Timberlake on it, you know? Yeah. So he knows what, he knows what he's doing. He knew how to stay relevant. Yeah, he was on it. Yeah. Um, but it was cool to also listen to, So he had three albums that were, that came up before he was allowed to leave Motown and go to, uh, I can't remember, Epic maybe. That's probably wrong. But basically before he started working with Quincy Jones and he was still like a teeny bopper who was tied into this old Motown contract. And those three albums are very like varying in quality <laughs> they're they're not great yeah. um but it's, so it's interesting because he his probably worst selling album of all time was right before he recorded off the wall which was then like this like breakout success and then he had 30 years of uninterrupted you know like yeah. multi-platinum albums but the album right before all that was his like total low point as a recording <laughs> artist so everyone can come back feeling restricted yeah that's uh that's what i've been into cool i've been like pretty much non-stop listening to uh that new waxahachie mm. album mm-hmm. what was it out in the storm i think that's what it's called out in the storm uh but it is great it's like she's her what's her name katie crutchfield is her it's like her her band uh but i i probably listened like one or two songs of hers before this album came out and for whatever reason i was just like listening to this album and just digging every song and yeah. it's just it's like literally just i've nonstop like i probably listened through it it's like a half an hour album i probably listened to it at least like 3 times through during my work day <laughs> today just it's just on all the time yeah. yeah it's a really good album she came through this summer already she played in greenpoint yes. i think and i think she's coming back at some point after she I think it's like before I've, I'm I'm paying You're attention it. to it. <laughs> it's like before she goes out to Europe, I think she's gonna like be back here for a second. I'm trying to go. Nice, cool, yeah, as you should. So that's been my yeah. Yeah, I always like when a an album surprises you in that way, where it's listen to it straight through and then do that four or five times. Yeah, and it was somebody who was like I was aware of and I had listened to a little bit and just didn't catch on and then all of a sudden this was the one that I was like, yes, yeah. I'm in. That's awesome. I hear that. Um, Very much so. But uh, what song did you want to talk about with us today? So uh, I brought in a song that is actually a cover of a song because I figured since we're not getting the cover aspect of the live right. cover, I'd bring in a cover that's probably like one of my favorite covers. Um, and it's uh, Photo Booth by Death Cab for Cutie covered by Julian Baker. Cool. Yeah. Uh, let's listen to a clip of it right now. Cool. Anything but the blade and proof was your lips touching mine in the photo booth and as the summer's ending the cold air will rush your heart out away you were so condescending this is all that's left 
Yeah. Oh yeah. Nice. Uh, Pat, why do you think Brian chose that song? Uh, I, I, I don't, I, I just, I have so many associations <laughs> with, uh, that band that it's like, to me, it reminds me of college. So my assumption would be, um, I don't know. Recently, I've been thinking about how people get into songs, and usually I'm just like, oh, they're in a station wagon listening to it. Uh, <laughs> so, I don't know. The college, default. like, somebody in college was like, hey, check out this band. And that's the song that stuck out. Uh, since I've had the uh, privilege of hearing you, like, tell stories and stuff live, I just, my first assumption is that this was a girl that you liked uh like either showed you the song or more more likely would be my guess is that like this was this this was your song in your head um uh be, she never knew it though <laughs> and you guys maybe never went out that would be my guess <laughs> that's, that's it's very close to that yeah like but enlighten us yeah like when i was when i was growing up i like, my family wasn't a huge, like, into... My dad liked music. Like, my dad played a lot of music and did a lot of... Like, he's in a band now. Like, he plays bass in a band, and mm-hmm. they, like, hang out and go to bars and, like, play covers. So he's always been very musical, but, like, he listens sort of the same stuff, and I never really got into what he was listening to. And I would, like, up through, like, the early 2000s, I was basically just listening to, like, Sugar Ray, Smash Mouth, the Goo Goo Dolls, sure. like Bare Naked Elite. Like those are my four bands yeah. were like those four. And then there was this girl that I had like a huge crush on throughout most of high school. And she was like a lot cooler than me and had older sisters. And I think that was like the thing, mm-hmm. right? Where I was the oldest in my family and she had these older sisters and she never really like totally liked me as much as I liked her, but we eventually became closer friends. But before we became close, she was like, oh, you should check out the Decemberists and Death Cab for Cutie and gave me Photo Booth by Death Cab. And I listened to it and I was like, I don't like this. <laughs> <laughs> like what? Uh, this band is like, eh. And then eventually I started getting like, I listened to, uh, it was right around the time where Transatlanticism came out, like mm-hmm. that album. And I like fell into that one day and I was like, whoa, this is good. And then like, it was all that time where like, then the postal service came out with give up and then plans came out. So it was like this, I don't know, renaissance of Ben Gibbard, I guess. And so I got like very into them and they became my favorite band, but that song was always like not a favorite song of mine, but it was like definitely always associated with this girl, Caitlin and like our kind of like me always having feelings for her and her always being like, we're just friends. And then just like dealing with that for years and then kind of getting over it. And then this cover, like I, again, it was like a song that I never really paid attention to. And then this cover came out and I was like, whoa. And I just heard it in a totally new way. Cause I don't like Julian Baker has this like power when she sings, like Mm -hmm. she's just like a little person, but has this like really powerful kind of haunting voice and hearing the song by her just like totally changed it for me. Like it became one of my favorite songs now, even though I don't really listen to the Death Cab versions. Like this is now, like in my head, this is the version of the song that exists. So I don't know. It's taken like a weird. And then two weeks ago, I saw Ben Gibbard play live and he played the song acoustically. And I was like, oh, now I'm kind of like into it. Like <laughs> right. I might get back into it. Huh. But I think it's just such, I mean, it's such a good cover where he actually heard it and then had 
her play it with him live at a show. Like, oh, wow. That's that, awesome. I feel like that says something about a cover. If you, oh, for if, sure. If yeah. you hear and you're like, come play this with me, because it's good. Yeah. Yeah, it is a great cover. Um, and I didn't know about her at all. I, I, for oh. some reason, I've never heard of her. She's I don't know why. so good. Like, she's, I'm very much in that, like, Waxahachie, but just, like, a little bit, not as, like, rocky, but... Mm-hmm. A little more refined. Her voice is just so good. Like, I saw her at Brooklyn Steel. She opened for the Decemberists a few months ago. And my only, like, critique of the concert was they didn't let Julian Baker play long enough. She played, like, (laughs) seven songs or something like that. And I was like, this is an injustice. But... (laughs) Like that, I don't know if yeah. you've been to Brooklyn Steel either because no, it's like a new venue, yet. but yeah. it's it big. like February, right? Yeah, and it's like, it's not as big as Terminal 5, but it's in that like yeah. level okay. of Terminal. Yeah. I think it's like yeah. 3,000 people or something mm-hmm. like that. And her voice, like just here, it's so powerful to hear her voice. It's like this haunting, beautiful voice. Yeah. I don't know. There's something well, about it. Because I hadn't it? heard this cover before. Yeah. Um, but it's always exciting when something is a headphone song like yes. when you put it on because like if i had listened to that through speakers like my computer speakers it would have lost a lot of the magic magic whatever like because her voice is so haunting it has like this kind of wispy atmospheric quality yeah and that i don't know that's one of my favorite things when somebody's a little spooky <laughs> Yeah, and it's like I mean, and again, it's her, her thing is is very much Death Cab's thing, which is why I like think the cover works is you know like kind of like sad songs that are beautiful, like beautiful sad songs has always been like my that's like where I live in a music genre, <laughs> mm-hmm. and even like I mean, all my favorite bands are, are just kind of like even if they're happy sounding songs, they're still sad lyrically, like yeah. you know, Frightened Rabbit or the National, which yeah. the National has like sad sad songs too, but. It's like, that's my world, and I feel like she just embodies it very well. Mm-hmm. I just uh, rewatched Sing Street the other night, yeah. and there's like that whole, there's a whole beat of that movie of happy, sad. It's like yeah. this, yes. the way, I think they're trying to describe the cure at the time, because uh, his brother, his older brother, the burnout, is telling him to write something happy, sad, and they throw on, uh, I don't know if they throw on love song, but they throw on like a cure song, and then of course that, that, that's like the next song they write. Uh, in uh-huh. that movie is is in that vein. Yeah, which that's that movie's great. That movie is great. I watched it on an airplane. Plane landed. Don't know how that movie ends. Uh-oh. Oh, it's man. On, it's it on was, you're never going to... I'm kind of enjoying like nah, this. Dude, you got to watch it. All right. Well, that's like... I'm going to go I, right He's now. like so good. John... What's his... John Carney, Carney. Right? Is his name? That, like all those movies he makes. Yeah. Uh, like... Um, what's the one he made with... Once and then he made and, uh, Begin, Begin Again. Again. That's like... I mean, it's... People are... I, I love that movie more than I think it's like people feel good about it, Probably. but I just like love it. Oh yeah, Begin <laughs> yeah. Again. I didn't think it was that good. I like, I don't yeah. know. I think it's like, I don't know, it's great. I will say that like they got, they wanted to cast a pop music douchebag. They casted the perfect dude. <laughs> yes. Uh, uh, what's his name? Um, Adam. Adam Levine. Right? Levine. Yeah, yeah. From Moon 5. Uh, he couldn't. Sorry, Adam, but like you couldn't act for shit, but he was the perfect <laughs> it, villain. Yes. And I have a friend who I talk with movies about a lot and we have very similar music tastes. And I remember telling her like, you have to go see Begin Again. And she's like, I don't want to go see it. Adam Levine's in it. And it's like, yeah. no, he's <laughs> in it in the best way. Like he's the exact right. person you want him to be. He yeah. sucks. And they truly make him uh, hard to recognize at the beginning of the movie. Like, yes. They, yeah. 
you know, for lack of a better, they put him like a sweater and glasses and <laughs> they just like take away some of his douchebaggery and uh, it, it succeeds because all of a sudden it's like, it was something because he's like a folky artist at the beginning, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, but the moment he starts to sing, I was like, wait a fucking <laughs> second. This is that dude from Maroon 5. <laughs> like, I was like, I recognize too, that voice anywhere, yeah. you know? But yeah, um, I think it's just like, he just does a good job. I think his movies are so good about like loving music. Like that's the theme of everything. And yeah. it's just the, the, yeah. all the, all their main actors are just coming from this like place of loving music. And it's, I can't help but like love that. I just get. Well, I think the thing that, maybe like got in the way in begin again is that that like once was a certified success, yes. you know, but had kind of had to grow into being a success, a little bit of a cult hit, you know? Um, but then all of a sudden he got a bunch of money and he got A-list actors. And I can only imagine like either a bit more studio meddling or maybe some kind of like shorter timeline or more love, more of a balancing act in one way or another, whether that's like mostly on him or it's partially from the studio or whatever. And I think, some of that kind of like storytelling that he's great at gets lost in that because of some of the schlock that is made more inherent, like a big name rom-com, Yeah, which is like, I think was the whole purpose of going back to Sing Street and being like, we're going to do it in Ireland with an Irish cast was to kind of just like go back to what he's good at, you know? Yeah. Yeah, and I also just feel like, yeah, again, it, I think you're totally right, but I also, it didn't bother me. I was like, <laughs> yeah, okay yeah, with yeah. it. And I think it was like, the thing I like about Begin Again, too, is like, I'm a person who loves sappy rom-coms, and I loved it because it was like a rom-com, but music was the rom, sure. you know, like that yeah. was the romantic part of it. Like, it, yeah. there wasn't that like, oh, there's going to be a relationship between Mark Ruffalo and Keira Knightley. It's like, no, it's their relationship is their music, like the music yeah. is what is, mm-hmm. and I was like, great. I'm glad they didn't go down the road of like having them. Spoiler alert for people <laughs> that came out. Four I mean, years but that's ago, like a happy spoiler watched. alert. I think yeah. that's the thing where, like, for most of the movie, you're like, please don't. Let yeah, if them anything get comes out of this yeah. conversation, yeah. if if I convince you to watch it Begin can, Again, yeah. you can still hate it, but at least like know that it's not going to be yeah. a dumb rom com. Yeah. it's also a New York movie. It's nice yeah, it's to a watch. New, yeah, to watch that's a New thing. York movie. Really good New York movie. Like the scene when they're running around at night with the splitter, like the splitter, and they're just like listening to music through the night, and they're walking through the city. That's beautiful. That's a good. That's a good. Uh, wish I actually did that in New York kind of scene. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, like, good. Like, I guess I, I'd love that. Be that hard to find somebody to do that with, but uh, I refuse. Yeah. Well, Sing Street um, spoke to me in a way because, like it, it does have that those sappy moments of like, yes. yeah, like the kid gets real bummed about the girl leaving or whatever, and um, especially like thinking back to like Death Cab and when Death Cab were really popular, I was living in Western New York. And so, like, instead of running around New York wearing splitters, you're driving around Western New York through the middle of nowhere, uh, where a song like this would probably come on. And like, it's snowing, it's dark, it's depressing, and it's like the perfect weather and locale. Yes, to listen to something like this. Yeah, I think it's like he does a good job of picking different points in your life to romanticize with the music. Where, like, I think you're right, like, Sing Street is romanticizing that time in your life where you're not an adult yet and you're like falling in love with girls and music. And yeah, yeah, I had that. Like, I when I didn't go to parties or anything in high school, and I like my friends and I, there was a few nights where we would just like drive around in like my friend's Jeep and we'd have like an acoustic guitar and just like shakers and stuff and we would just like go to the park and then just kind of like jam out in the car and like yeah. listen to arcade fire or what like i distinctly remember listening to like arcade fire's funeral while this was happening one time but mm-hmm. it's just like 
that's what we did and it yeah. was like i don't know yeah I feel, so like sing street i feel like hits that really well yeah um but this song too it sounds like is like a bit of a gateway drug for you probably into the world yes. of like indie rock which is even nowadays is almost like i was thinking about this the other day it's like basically contemporary rock is yeah, what that, indie has like <laughs> evolved into right. The genre was just sort of made up, and then well, it used to be. It yes, used to it be was a used thing. to be yeah. incredible. And now it's like what everyone listens to, sort of, you know, or like not like everyone, everybody. But it is it what felt popular, like my genre. It is what popular music yeah. is for yeah. the most part. Yeah, or like our version of like I don't think yeah. it's popular, but it's like yeah, that's like the, the. I don't know a ton about music, but I know so much about this very specific like sliver of music, yeah. and like that came from learning about Death Cab, and then like diving into this hole and i was like oh there's other bands that aren't smash mouth like this is amazing <laughs> right and yeah it was like it and it, it, it was the same time too where i was like learning about going back to like movies i remember the same girl caitlin like introduced me to garden state and it was just which is the dumbest thing but it was like at the time that was oh, but that was a, go- that was a that dual got, gateway it's, yeah it was yeah. like that the, soundtrack the entire and... gateway of everything because then it was like oh independent movies like that's so, because i was like doing movies that i was taking movie classes in high school like my high school had this really cool mo- like uh video program that mm-hmm. i was doing so i was opening up like a lot of things were opening up to me at the time in terms of like arts and i was like whoa there's a lot out there that i did not know about and then kind of like dove down this hole for a bit right well and that like genuinely influenced your life right oh yeah because i mean you make videos you make movies That's, yeah. you do stuff like exactly. that exactly and i think it was like i had this there was definitely that point or so when i like got except when i like applied to college i was applying to everything as like chemical engineering and i got into all my colleges as like chemical engineering <laughs> majors yeah and i was like i don't want to do this and i changed to communications and like media studies and video and f- i had all these concentrations and stuff but it was I think it was like my parents, they like had this little moment of like, oh no. <laughs> and it's like something my mom would still talk about. And eventually my parents were like, we're proud of you. You figured it out. Like you saw something that we didn't see. And I was like, no, really, I just wanted to do this thing that I love doing. But I, yeah. I knew that there was something to it. But yeah, it was like that was all influenced by me kind of like falling into this world of like, there's stuff out here that's doable. And I think, yeah, and I think it's like, the whole world is opened up too. And just in terms of like, you can buy a camera for 1500 bucks and then like make whatever you want. And I think, I mean, we're making a podcast right, right now. Like yeah. we live in this world where like media is so much easier to get access to. And I think I lucked out in doing what I'm doing at the time that I'm doing it because it's just everywhere. Right. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah. I was just going to add on to that. Like, especially, you know, when Death Cab first came about and, you know, that time, like that time period was really great because that's also when the internet started to be on the upswing of yes. like music discovery. Um, Cause you know, I listened to music in high school and like I had the Warped Tour compilations and like, cool. And like, in if you ask me in high school, if I was a music fan, I'd be like, yeah, I know everything and whatever. But it wasn't until like, you know, Napster or MP3.com mm-hmm. where you started finding these bands where you're like, oh, these are these are just some guys down in Texas or down in Florida or whatever, and they're just doing a thing. Yeah. And that I always found to be so inspiring because it's like, oh, well, if you're just a couple of kids doing this, then yeah, no, I can do that too. Yes. Yeah. It became, it's just the whole world opened up, I feel yeah. like. Like I had a buddy in college who 
he was a DJ. His DJ name was DJ Tanner, <laughs> based nice. on Full House. And he had a bunch of music. And one of the songs that he like mixed or whatever, he used the sample of the drum box and photo booth. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like in his songs, and it like was this weird. Again, it was like this thing of this song came back in my life at this weird time because it was a really good song that he had mixed or whatever. But he was like playing with that drum box over, which you didn't hear in the sample. But if you no. listen to the Death Cab version, yeah, you'll yeah. hear this weird drum box that they also use in Transatlanticism. It's that mm-hmm. same. Which I don't know if you've ever seen. Have like you seem to be a fan. Have you seen like Death Cab in concert? Uh, no, I haven't. Oh actually. man, it's like I've seen them. I think I've seen them in Boston, New York City, and LA. So I've had like it's a continental yeah. from when I've seen them. But when they they almost always play transatlanticism and they'll have that drum box kind of like come in slowly over like the last song and you just start hearing it and you're like, Yes, 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 here it comes, here it comes. <laughs> and it's just it's so exciting. And the first time I saw them it was with an orchestra. Oh, that's cool. awesome. And it was I like I know bands don't do this, but if you could see your favorite band with an orchestra behind them, yeah. it's like the coolest I thing. got to see My Morning Jacket with the Boston Symphony Orchestra once, yes. and it was like incredible. I think it was the first time I ever saw them, too, and it was sick. Yeah, like nothing, it was so cool. nothing lived up to that. <laughs> well, <laughs> the, the thing is, it, that was a really good show, but all, uh, many of their other shows have lived up to that only because they had to be so quiet, and they're actually yes. like a pretty raucous band live. Yeah. So like that was, they, they only played their kind of like beautiful yes calmer songs mm-hmm. at that show because they just couldn't overpower i believe even the drummer they kind of had it dressed up with like some cloth and stuff but he was playing an electric kit so that they could actually like uh dial down yeah. yeah yeah exactly uh but he was yeah he was playing like an all electric kit uh but it was it was great when I was a kid, somebody gave me the, uh, what was that, Metallica's s Oh, I loved that album, dude. I love that album. It's real good. And, like, you know, I was maybe 10. That's a cool album. Because it's Metallica with an orchestra. Oh, yeah, it's with the I San Francisco Symphony this. Orchestra. Yeah. Oh, okay. And it was, like, it, it was in pretty lame Metallica years. Like, it was right after Reload, maybe, yeah. or, like, after Garage Inc. or something. Like, I mean... Maybe pe- pe- people that like uh, more our age probably still thought Metallica was great at that age, but yeah. the kids that had grown up with them in the '80s, they were like total sellouts by that point. Yeah, like yeah. you kind of were like done with them. Those few albums, but I, I don't know that S and M won back there like hardcore '80s fans. <laughs> but S and M was like a really fun album real cool. within like their '90s career. Yeah, I think it came out in like '99 or '98 mm-hmm. or something like that. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, but it was fun. Because that, yeah. that was, they could play loud. Yeah. Yeah. And it was all recorded, like, really well and that kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I still, yeah, I still think about that, like, or- orchestra experience. And it was like, man, this is, like, adds this whole level. And I, like, Guster played with the symphony orchestra mm-hmm. at some point, which I'm, the Boston Symphony Orchestra. But I, I saw them once play with, like, a small orchestra at the Met. And they had, they had just come out with, um, this I don't know if you guys know Guster at all, but they're like a big band that's been yeah. around yeah. my life for a while. They're but from like Tufts University, right yes. next to where I grew up. Yeah, exactly. So they had that album Easy Wonderful, and like the album covers this circle, and it's all like kind of like bike spoked, and they're all colored in or whatever. And they had the album, the guy who made the album art, like making the album live on stage, like he oh, was recreating the album live on stage that's during cool. the concert. Yeah. And I was like, this would only happen at the Met. Like, <laughs> I have, like, some strings playing with them and the guy recreating the album. But that was, like, a cool concert experience, too. I would put up there with the Death Cab and the orchestra. 
Yeah. Yeah, it's nice to... I mean, I think one thing that's nice is those... Every every genre um, can become so, like, insular, you know, yes. to, like... It's just... it's It feels like maybe a lot of the same band-to-band, but also, like, oh, this band, I get what they do, and becomes a bit predictive, and so it's... Or predictable. And it's so it's nice to just to see them have to work with, like, something outside of their own general sound and general genre, you know? Yeah, just, like, let them open up a bit musically because then they're like, oh, these people are, like, very talented musically and mm-hmm. it's not just this one specific thing they do. Like, oh, this yeah. is something so much bigger than this one specific metal genre or whatever, sure. Metallica or whatever. Right. And that's something that I've heard numerous people say about Weird Al's polka medleys. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Because... Yeah, it takes all these, like, super popular songs and just dump them into polka, and, like, it, yeah, it's... It makes you realize, like, polka's fun as hell. It's oh, just yeah. that, like, I don't speak, you know, Czech it's or whatever, genre, so I yeah. can't understand it, or Polish, or, like, whatever languages it's usually in. And sure. so it's just like, oh, well, but if you give me the songs I know and understand, I'm like, oh, hell yeah, this is, like, you can <laughs> dance, you can have a good time, this yeah. is a fun genre. Yeah, like musically, it, right. the tempo, you can dance to that tempo pretty That's easy. That's like what it is, yeah. basically. It's, yeah. you know, like European dance music Yeah, back in the day. <laughs> EDM, European dance music. <laughs> the original EDM. Yeah, uh, Polka Pogan. is the original EDM. It's the ad campaign sure. they've been pushing around <laughs> Europe for like 300 years. <laughs> they've been trying to get it rolling, and then all of a sudden electronic music came in and they, really decimated us. Um, speaking of prolific artists that have been backed by uh, symphony orchestras, Carly Rae Jepsen recently played with the Ooh. Toronto Symphony Orchestra. Ooh. Yes. Um, I, heard I don't a know if they bootleg were, of Yeah, that. there was a bootleg of it. It's very low quality. It is very low quality. But I wonder if they recorded it. Like, I'd, there wasn't any chatter about it, it being recorded. But it seems like one of those things. Yeah, this day and do, age, it must have been recorded. This day and age, with like how easy it is to really record shows. Yeah. You would think that like they did it some, yes. somehow whether it's yeah. going to get like released as like an album or not is a whole different thing but yeah. i would imagine if they yeah they're probably holding on up. to it because when nirvana or like the remaining members or mm-hmm. nirvana played at say invite us a couple years ago they recorded that yeah and they've just been holding on to it so they can do something with it yeah but, i could see that i would listen to carly ray with an orchestra like Call me maybe the strings on that or the best, yeah. yeah. like my favorite part of that song. It's just like that yeah. little, str- oh man, it's good. I think, I, like listening to the bootleg, it's like, yeah, not everything translates perfectly. I mean, you're talking about pop dance music. Yeah. So it's like to tone it yeah. down that much, it's definitely a different vibe. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's cool. There's a, some article came out a couple weeks ago trying to compare Carly Rae and other pop artists, but like they used her name in the headline. <laughs> like the like current pop music to like the complexity and amazing musicality of Mozart, and dude, I mean I like pop music, but it was the biggest. It's like this is the biggest, <laughs> the biggest like, sack of shit. <laughs> oh god, but it, I guess it was based off of um, uh, another uh, actually a pretty cool podcast that I was uh, they were referencing in the in the show. Great podcast. I can't remember the name of it, but uh, Hooked on Pot maybe something like that. It's these two guys okay. out of Fordham. And it's a cool show, but uh, the article, I think, was stretching that connection a little bit. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because that show is kind of about, like, diving into the actual, like, music theory of pop music. Yeah. Which is a very cool thing, because everyone generally, you know, you dismiss not just, like, radio pop music, but popular music. You kind of dismiss as being low on the musical um, talent or kind of, like, sophistication scale. Mm -hmm. Well, I just feel like that's something too where it's 
like yeah i think that's like the perception but then it's like these people are super talented musically like somebody like taylor swift right it's like she's extremely talented musically or like i feel yeah. like carly ray is the same thing yeah where it's like they just are in this genre that for whatever reason they chose yeah. or they just i don't know sometimes i don't totally know like it's never a thing to dismiss their talent i only say it to like lift up talents that don't get recognized yes like yeah. my yeah, assumption like why... is that like most most uh working recording jazz musicians are musically yes. probably more talented than most working performing pop musicians like it's my general assumption but there is a certain kind of talent about you know being able to write hooks and being able to write things that people mm-hmm. like it is maybe somewhat maybe it's like this sidestep talent to composite like music composition but it is certainly something that is i mean it's hard to write a hit i think people say pop music sounds the same or it's like or you know these songs are simple but it's you're operating within a simple pool and trying to pull out something that sounds unique and fresh and you know whatever and i think people look at complexity and see that and go oh okay it's more complex therefore it's better so they see like a jazz musician and you know rate them differently than I don't know, a DJ that goes up with just a laptop. Right. (laughs) And, you know, like, there are some people that go up with just a laptop and hit play and walk away, and that's whatever. But, um, it, yeah, like, putting together a song is a hard thing to do. Right. It's just different skills, right? Yeah. Like, there's carpenters that build houses and architects that design them, and there's, like, a plumber that has to come in to do this part of it, and in theory, you know, people may be assigned different, like, skill levels to all those things but the reality is that like the architect can't build the wall you know it's hard to do that yeah <laughs> you need someone that can build a wall to build the wall you know yeah we're trying to get donald trump's working on it <laughs> <laughs> we're talking about that wall that's the wall we're talking about um so i think many many music fans maybe do this but i would think maybe you do it more than others and since we're talking about movies do you often like visualize your life to music that you like Oh, yeah. You, like, soundtrack your own yes. day, kind of? Like, speci- I mean, specifically recently, too, with, like, um, that Waxahachie album, there's a song, Silver, and it has, like, this such a good, like, such a good tempo to it, and I'm like, this should be at the beginning of, like, any comedy, like, teen comedy <laughs> establishing shot, like, moving, like, in my head, I'm thinking, like, almost like an Easy A type movie, where yeah. it's, like, you see the campus and you're just getting the aesthetic. Like that should be, that song should be over every one of those. It's just this like fun, good song. Like first, first day of the movie type song. Like I do that. I used to do that. And like when I'd like sit on buses going home from school in high school, it'd be like putting together my soundtrack for the day as I was sitting around. But like specifically with Death Cab, I remember when their album Codes and Keys came out, which came out, I think it was like, May 21st, 2011 or something like that. If I rem- I only remember yeah, this cuz I was <laughs> in London like uh studying abroad. I was making like documentaries over there with like my with Northeastern and uh it was there was like at the time where where I was saying like I've been listening to Waxahachie all the time. I was listening to that the entire time I was in London. It just became this album that really like worked like everything uh-huh. and it's just mm-hmm. the song like i remember we had to write these dumb blog posts like you have to do when you go abroad or whatever of like your experiences are and i wrote one that basically took that album and each song i like tied to my experiences with london and i like it was re- i was one of my like ha- the posts i was happiest writing and yeah. my teacher was like 
oh, can we get something with a little more substance? I was like, what? This is, I was really happy with this. Like, <laughs> I, like one of the songs is like Home is a Fire, and I was talking about like the Lon- the big fire in London, like what is like 1666 or whatever, and it's yeah. just like fire. Like when you walked around London, it was like you would see that the existence of that fire and their history everywhere, like the uh-huh. exit signs, like all, it just ever, like they're so aware of this fire. And I was like, home is a fire. This is it. I'm in London. And, and she was just like, not buying it. I was like, what is going on? But that was definitely like my soundtrack of London was that album. That's funny. Uh, now you saying that actually reminded me that I one time was studying abroad one summer in Florence, Italy. And, uh, it, <clears throat> there's this hillside town next to Florence called Fiesole. And it's like, you it's the type of thing you jump on a bus, you ride the bus to the end, and it goes up a hill outside of the town. You can like look out over the town, right? Beautiful, gorgeous, probably like a 30-minute trip on a bus. Um, and for some reason one night, I grabbed my iPod and was like, you know what, I'm just going to walk towards Fiesole, uh, which is, I don't, I couldn't tell you how long that walk is. It probably would take three hours like it's you know out it's a whole nother town away and it's up a hill um (laughs) but i started walking north is just the direction and one of the albums i put on was the postal service yeah and as i walked up this hill this like winding italian road up a hill um i just started having this like very long conversation with myself about like because I think I got tired is what was happening. <laughs> and this album was playing the whole time. I got tired. And I kept imagining like every car that went by me, like, oh, maybe they would stop and pick me up. Or like, I bet if I put my thumb out, maybe someone would actually just give me a ride back to town. Was kind of how I was imagining it. And, um, and for some reason, that translated into this, co- this story in my head and this conversation where like, the person who pulls over is God. <laughs> I'm not a religious That's person huge. at all. Like, ever. Like real, and, you're having a fever dream. Yeah, this was like truly because I was like, I'd been walking for a very long time. I'd been listening to many different albums, but this was like, this was in the, this was in, while I was listening to Give Up. And, um, and it was just this whole thing of God's like, hey, you can have this car, but also like, you, this car will have unlimited gas. It can go wherever you want, it can go across the ocean. And it was just this thing of like, where do you want to go? I can make it possible for you. Like that's essentially what like the, what the, the, I don't know what the parable was or whatever. Yeah, right. No, it's just existing it's like, in your head. It's like this thing of like, God's <laughs> letting you do anything you want right now. And this was, I, uh, this was either, this was not the summer after I graduated. This was the summer after my freshman year of college. So I'd still think this is very like apt of like, Hey, you have your whole, life ahead of uh-huh. you you can do whatever you yeah, want you're still very coming of age there um and i think the reality though is that i was just really tired of walking <laughs> and you got i, no, I only got halfway no up car, the hill and i had did, to turn around yeah, like no car got you yeah no no car got so me god, god god doesn't doesn't find you. <laughs> yeah god doesn't exist which Man. is the moral of the story but yeah that's like my association with that album yeah like i yeah. know i've heard it a million yeah, other contexts and times have, i'm What's your like strongest album association? So the the new one for me is uh, so I went to Iceland earlier this year, and we listened to the Hamilton soundtrack a lot. Okay. So now Hamilton associates to Iceland, <laughs> Iceland for me, which is just doesn't <laughs> that doesn't make any sense. But what makes even less there. sense is now um, because our friend Tony had bought himself a data plan. Uh, 
less than Jake and corn also now remind <laughs> me of Iceland. So, you know, that's a thing in my life now. Yeah. Maybe Iceland will learn from you. <laughs> and those bands will just yeah, have they a just, real uptick. They took this weird... It was like... I had these like delu- these delusions now of like going to Iceland and like listening to Sigur Rós right. and like yeah. cinematic and like beautiful explosions music. in the sky and whatever. And yeah. I yes. was driving down the highway, and we saw these. It's that was pretty good. Yeah, yeah, just giant mountains and that and this dumb little rental car we had shaking because it couldn't handle the bass from that song. Yeah. Yeah, I love it. Um, yeah. What's, um, I guess going back to the soundtrack thing, though. Yeah. Um, do you have, or maybe even like one you could think of, but something that's like an all-time, like an all-time opener to a uh, a movie or a show that you would want? Oh, man. Maybe like, maybe maybe it's based on a true story, you know? Man, like, I don't, opening... Like opening song is tough because it's like I feel like it's such a oh man because it's like that again like that Waxahachie one it's like that's a good opener if you're just trying to like because in my head this the movie I'm always writing is just like a day in the life move like a day yeah, in the life yeah. comedy type something and it's like is credit song easier yeah credit song well it's funny when, the first thing I thought of when you said like credit song is um. I don't know if you guys know the Weaker Thans. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But they're like one of my favorite bands. They're good. I'm a, I'm really big into like good storytelling bands. Obviously, like there's part of who I just love stories in general and I really like a good storytelling band and they have a few good story songs. But it's really funny cuz their most famous I guess like the the song that has the most notoriety is Left or not Left and Leaving Aside. Because it was the credit song for Wedding Crashers, <laughs> which is like the weirdest. Yeah. They're not like a. They're not that. It doesn't match. I would never associate yeah, those two yeah. things. They're just like this kind of Canadian, yeah, chill band, and like, and that's definitely their rockiest song, probably. Mm-hmm. I would say, but it's just. Yeah. I just remember watching that movie and being like, "Guys, it's the weaker than like the movie's <laughs> ending, and nobody, everyone's like, what do you? What yeah, the that's movie's like over? no one's takeaway from Wedding Crashers.' Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I love the Wedding Crashers, but that was the, the thing I was probably most excited about Wedding Crashers is that the weaker thans was in it. Yeah, they would probably be in my soundtrack somewhere. They have some good. Don't they do uh, a plea from a cat named Virtue? Yes, like that's one of oh my, my god. That's probably one of my favorite whatever indie rock songs of all time well they do you know the sequel and then the other sequels oh man so like this is i gotta get in so there's a song on their album uh what is it's uh reconstruction site i think Mm -hmm. is the one that the the plea from a cat named virtue and it's basically a song that's sung entirely in the point of view of a cat yeah (laughs) it's great and it's all about like how this cat is like upset with their owner because they're not like paying them attention and they're sort of like wasting their life away and the cat just like wants them to like deal like just get your life together basically Uh so then the album that came out after that was called reunion tour and uh they had a song on it called virtue the cat explains her departure Mm. and it was all about how the cat was leaving because the guy like didn't get his life together Mm -hmm. and it's so sad i mean it's (laughs) (laughs) like my my like really good friend m like we bonded over the weaker thens and like she can't listen to that. It's like very hard for her to listen to that song. And I love like it's that's the difference between us. It's like I'm somebody who loves the emotion. Like that emotion right. is so 
And if you listen to him back to back, it's a little too much. It's like, <laughs> <laughs> but then the, he, so John K. Sampson at the weekend then broke up and he's been doing solo stuff and he just came out with a record a few uh, months ago. I think it's called winter wheat. And he, there's two songs on, it was this Whoa. thing. Like I thought it was over and there, neither one of them is great. Cause one of them is about, how the cat, like the guy went to a treatment center to get help. Like it just, it took the story, like got a little too, the world got a little too big. Yeah. Like, yeah, this was the we're, sequel no one asked for. Yeah, like, we're well, like, he's no, in rehab we, now. No, like we have this nice story arc of like the cat wanted change. The guy didn't change and the cat's leaving. Like we didn't need any more. And, and I was even like reading into it and there was stories about like, well, the cat's not actually alive anymore. This is it was like, this is too deep to be getting into yeah. these songs. But oh man! So there's like fan theories about where the yes, cat's gone. Yes, I've got. I got into like Reddit threads about <laughs> oh, it because I was yeah. like, I need to know. That's I where need... you find all the good stuff. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. That's so good. But oh god, those songs. There's oh man. So wait, you said there's two on the new album or yes. on his? So it was one what? is rehab and I forget. I, t- I I I haven't listened to this album a lot, and they're not the best songs. Yeah. So it's it's tough. Hard. It's I. So I haven't been like listening to the album enough to know. And my friend has refused to listen to this. She won't even listen to the <laughs> right. song because she doesn't want the story anymore. She's like, I'm good. Um, I think you just, if you're, if you're going through the, going through the arc, just stop it. Virtue the Cat explains her departure. <laughs> like, you'll be, you don't need the rest. It's like, I don't, I'm trying to think of a, it's like Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. Like, you right. don't need that movie. We don't want that. It's like, that's just, this is that for music sequels. <laughs> that's good advice. That's yeah. sound advice. Um, I think that's a good place to stop. Brian, thanks so much for talking yeah, to us. Hey, thanks for having me. Uh, yeah. Um, where can people find out more about you or keep up to date on oh, what's man. happening in your life? Well, they can go to brianberlin.com. If uh, they have a wedding coming up and want <laughs> me to film it, uh, they can go to brianberlin.wedding. Hey, I got a whole Ooh, two websites. Two whole websites. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And then... Uh, Evan and I are on a sketch team called The Executives, and we mm-hmm. perform Friday night at 7 p.m. at the Magnet Theater. Yeah. That's a fun time. Check it's it great. out. And then I'm, I'm around. He's around, <laughs> everybody. You heard story. it here. You'll hear me tell some stories somewhere, maybe. I don't know. That's true. Uh, yeah, keep uh, go to a lot of moth events, and you will eventually see Brian. Okay, you'll see me, like, nervously standing in the corner. <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, social media people can find you at... Brian Berlin, is that right? I guess my, my full like social media branding is Berlination with one N as the yeah. in between. If you're really, it's good. It's a good. That's a good handle. Some, yeah, it's yeah. a it's a brand that I've created for myself over the years. It's like seventh grade I started that. Oh wow! So I've you've stuck with it. Like that's my tested. LLC. Like Berlination LLC oh, is nice. like a business that I've registered. So you I've committed to it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, that's also a good lesson. Everyone, make sure you commit to something, especially if it's an LLC. Real hard. <laughs> Real hard. Uh, thanks so much. This has been Repeater. Thank you, everybody. Goodbye. Bye. Repeater is hosted by Evan Ford Barden and Patrick Cartelli. This episode was recorded at Magnet Training Center in New York City, where they offer classes in improv, musical improv, sketch writing, storytelling, and more. Find out more at magnettheater.com. Visit us online at repeater.show for live dates, hot music tips, and show archives. Theme music by the Sun Lions. Everything else by Love Nest Productions. Welcome to Repeater. <laughs>